for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. That first part of verse eight again. So it was not you who sent me, but God. I want to use for a subject, but God. For us to really understand Joseph, we have to understand some things about his father, Jacob. And we have to know that Jacob has 12 sons born to him by four women. His wife, Leah, her handmaiden, Zilpah, his wife, Rachel, and her handmaiden, Bilhah. So now we need to understand that Jacob loved Rachel more than any of these other women. And that Rachel only gave birth to two sons, Benjamin and Joseph. And Joseph is hated by his other brothers. And they hate him because Jolie is clearly the favorite of his father. And Jacob loves jo jo Joshua, Joseph, more than any of his sons. And Jacob spoils Joseph. Jacob keeps Joseph from working in the field. Jacob gives Joseph a coat. And every time that he wore it, it was a reminder to his brothers that daddy loves me more than he loves you. And not only did his brothers hate him because he was his father's favorite, but they hated Joseph because Joseph had a stuck up and a cocky attitude. Because Joseph was a dreamer. And Joseph had a dream that he would be greater than all of his brothers. And that all of his brothers would bow down to him. And he had the nerve to share that dream with them. So they hated Joseph. And one day when they were out tending to their father's flock, Jacob decides to send his favorite son, Joseph, to go and check on his other brothers who were working in the field while Joseph was chilling in the house. And Jacob says, go see what your brothers are up to. And while they were outside working and sweating in the fields, Jacob goes to see them wearing that coat. And here they are sweating and dripping. And Joseph comes walking in out on them in the coat that their father gave them. And y'all, they go off. And they throw Joseph in a pit. And his older brother Judah says, let's kill him. But his older brother Reuben says, let's not kill him. But let's sell him into slavery so we can make some money off of him. So they tear up Joseph's coat, put some animal blood on him. And they convince Jacob that Joseph has been killed. And they sell their own brother into slavery. And that's where things get really wrong really fast. Because he's sold into slavery. And he ends up in Potiphar's house. And things are going pretty good there until we meet Mrs. Potiphar. And Mrs. Potiphar decides that she wants some of Joseph. And when Joseph said no and curbs her, she lies and says that Joseph has raped her. And he's thrown in jail and he spends 20 years there. And it's in jail that he meets a cupbearer and a baker. And he looks out for the cupbearer, believing that the cupbearer would look out for him. But when the cupbearer gets out of jail, he forgives about Joseph, and Joseph stays in jail for 20 years. Now, I need us to think about what's going through his mind as he's sitting in jail. He's been taken from his family, threatened to be killed by his brothers. He's been lied on by Potiphar's wife, and all of this happened because of his brothers. Now, think about how angry you would be if you were locked up in jail over something that you didn't do based on something that somebody else did to you. And I don't know how y'all would feel about that, but if it was me, I would be scheming and plotting about what I was gonna do when the Lord lets me up out of there. And when I get up out of there, it's gonna be on and pop. But let me show y'all how good God is. Because Pharaoh has a dream that he can't interpret. 
and Joseph is brought before him, and, Job, and jo, Joseph interprets the dream. And Pharaoh favors Joseph so much that he makes Joseph the prime minister over all of Egypt. And when we get to chapter 45, Joseph is the second most powerful man on the face of the earth. So from the pit to the prison, and from the prison to the palace, Joseph has all the authority over all the earth. But hold on, y'all, because it gets better. Because a famine breaks out, like Joseph dreamed that it would. And the famine hits the land of Canaan, while Jacob, where Jacob and his brothers live. And Jacob sent these same sons to Egypt to buy some food. And when they get to Egypt to buy some food, now they have to deal with Joseph. And it's been 20-something years, and they don't remember Joseph, but Joseph hasn't forgotten them. And when he sees them, he remembers that these are the brothers that threw me in the pit. These are the brothers that wanted to kill me. These are the brothers that sold me into slavery. And if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be in jail. And now they're right here in my face, and they need, need me to help them out and to hook them up. Now I know that y'all are more saved than I am, but if that was me in that moment, there would have been one thing coming out of my mouth, and that would have been, thank you Lord, because that's what I've been waiting for, and now I get to get my revenge. But y'all, in that moment, Joseph shows us what real forgiveness is. So now we need to understand how it goes down, so we'll know what real forgiveness looks like. Because verse four tells us, then Joseph said to his brothers, come closer to me. And they came closer. He said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And in verse 2 it tells us, and he wept so loud that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. So he tells them what they did, and he let them know how it hurt. Because real forgiveness doesn't mean that we have to act like we've forgotten what somebody has done to us. Real forgiveness doesn't mean that we have to excuse it and let them get away with no responsibility. Real forgiveness doesn't mean that we have to act like it didn't hurt us. Real forgiveness doesn't mean that we have to pretend like it didn't happen. Real forgiveness doesn't mean that we didn't act like it didn't get the best of us. Because real forgiveness means that we acknowledge the hurt and acknowledge the wrong because we cannot forgive what we don't deal with ourselves. So let me show y'all four things in the text that Joseph decides to do that should help us understand what real forgiveness is. All right. So notice that when Joseph gets ready to confront his older brothers in chapter 45, when he's ready to reveal who he is to them, because they don't remember Joseph, because he's dressed in Egyptian clothes. He's speaking in Egyptian, and his brothers speak Hebrew. But when he's ready to reveal himself, verse 1 tells us that when Joseph can no longer control himself, before all those who stood by him, he cried out, sent everyone away from me. So y'all, Joseph decides that what we're about to do is going to be a private matter between my brothers and me. And I'm not going to share what they did to me in the presence of other people. And that's the first sign of real forgiveness. But we don't bring back up and repeat what somebody did to us, to other people, and we decide to keep it between ourselves and them. Because if we still want to tell everybody what she did and what he didn't do, then we haven't really made the decision to forgive. Because when we forgive, we make the decision to keep it private. And when we share what somebody else has done to us, with somebody who has nothing to do with it, all we're doing is trying to hurt the person who offended us by turning somebody else against them to mess up their reputation. 
So here we are running our mouths about what somebody did to us and what somebody said to us because we want other people to hate them like we do and we're trying to hurt their reputation. And there's nowhere in the Bible where the Lord says that when somebody has offended us that we should gossip about it. There's nowhere where it says that when somebody has hurt us that we need to find as many people as we can to tell on that person. There's nothing about the Holy Ghost that tells us to hop on the phone to mess up somebody else's reputation, telling them about what went down with you and them, because that is not of the Lord. And when somebody tries to tell you what he did and what she said, you ought to ask them and ask yourself, why do you need to know this? And why are you bringing it to me? And it ain't got nothing to do with me. Because you want me not to like them like you do. And you want me to feel some kind of way about them. And God cannot be glorified when we try to ruin somebody else's reputation. Because hopefully we learned a couple of few weeks ago that when somebody offends us, that there are two things that God judges. What they did and how we respond. And if our response is to go public with something that should remain private, then the Lord is going to judge us too. So Joseph asked everybody to leave. Because he doesn't want Pharaoh to find out what his brothers did. And have Pharaoh hate his brothers. Now y'all ain't never been married. But I've been in enough messed up relationships to know. And somebody ought to be able to say amen right up in here. Because one of the worst things that we can do in a relationship or in a marriage. Is to have an argument with your partner or your spouse. And go tell your family about it. If y'all decide to forgive each other. And to reconcile with each other. And now you don't have the bad taste in your family's mouth. Amen. And now every time they see your partner or your spouse, they're going to be looking at them some kind of way. Because they remember what happened. Because some stuff you should have just kept quiet. So everybody won't hurt the person that God is calling us to forgive. But I do know that all of us need some kind of closure. And we need to get it off our chests. And we need to tell somebody. And if you feel the need to talk to somebody, if you feel the need to have some closure, if you feel the need to get it off your chest, let me give you some advice. Fall on your knees, bow your head, and tell the Lord everything they did to you. Now watch what happens in verse 5. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. So y'all, Joseph didn't look for revenge. And he wasn't bitter about what they did. Mm -hmm. Now Joseph is the second most powerful man on the earth. Yeah. And with all of that, think about what he could have done. Well. He could have had his brothers killed. Yes. He could have had them thrown in jail like they did to him. Yes. He could have had them killed like they wanted to kill him. But y'all, Joseph doesn't punish his brothers. Because payback is not in his heart. Yeah. Because we can't forgive as long as we're trying to hurt the person that hurt us. And that's a word because hurt people like to hurt people. But payback doesn't heal our hurts. Payback doesn't change the person who hurt us. Payback won't ease the pain that we're going through. But here's what Jesus teaches us. Because when somebody has done us wrong, Jesus says in Matthew 5 and 44, to love your enemies and to pray for those who persecute you. Pray for them which despitefully use you. Pray for them who do you wrong. Because the only way that we know that we really forgive is when we start praying for that person. Now I need us to notice that Jesus doesn't say pray about them. Because there's a difference between praying for them 
and praying about them. Because we can pray about them and still won't pay back. Because when most of us won't pay back, but we still want to call ourselves holy, we try to throw the Lord into the mix. And we say, Lord, I ain't got to pay them back. Because vengeance is mine, said the Lord. But we'll say God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sowed, that shall he shall also reap. Then we sit back and we wait for them to reap what they sown. And for the Lord to strike them dead on the side of the road. So we can say, look at God. Ain't he all right? Won't he fight your battle? But Jesus says, don't pray about them, but pray for them. Pray for the Lord to bless them. Pray for the Lord to open up that door for them. Pray for the Lord to be good to them. That whatever was hate was on them, that God will take the hate away. That's why we need to pray for them. And I know most of us don't like this, because that's the last thing that we want. Because I don't want to see them in a new car. But I want to see them walking those skyboats, catching the fast bus. We don't want to see them with a new job. But I want to see them crying down at the altar about what they did to me. But one of the ways that we know that we're growing in the Lord is where we can pray for the people who have hurt us. So watch what happens. Because verse 16 and 17 tell us, when the report was heard in Pharaoh's house, Joseph's brothers had come. Pharaoh and his servants were pleased. Pharaoh said to Joseph, say to your brothers, do this. Load your animals and go back to the land of Canaan. Take your father and your household and come to me, so that I may give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you may enjoy the fat of the land. So y'all, based on Joseph's forgiveness, Pharaoh decided to hook his brothers up and to give them some good land and the best of Egypt, because Joseph wasn't looking for payback, and he was all right with the people who have hurt him being blessed. And when somebody has hurt us, we have to make peace with the fact that they may not never reap what they sown. And they may never feel the punishment that we think they deserve. And they may walk away with their hands held up. And the Lord still might bless them. So real forgiveness means that we don't recall or repeat what somebody has done to us. And we don't look for revenge or we're not bitter about what they did. And then number three, real forgiveness is when we don't rewind the offense or replay our emotions. Now when we read the story of Joseph, we'll find out that there were actually four times that Joseph's brothers meet him. So they come from Canaan to Egypt, and then go back to Canaan, and then go back to Egypt, and that happens four times. And it happens in chapter 42, chapter 43, chapter 45, and chapter 46. But y'all, what was interesting to me is that it was only in chapter 45 but Joseph confronts them about what they did to him. Well. And he shows them that it hurt. Now I don't need us to miss this. Because four times they meet Joseph. But it was only one time that Joseph told them how much what they did hurt him. And even when they come back in chapter 46, he doesn't bring it back up again. He doesn't go over it again. And he doesn't say anything else about it. So here's the lesson that we learned from Joseph. Because real forgiveness is seen when we have to interact again with the same people who have already hurt us. Because yeah. there are some people who hurt us that we're going to have to deal with again. Because he's still a member at your church. He's still your co-worker. They still live in the house with you. They're still coming to the family reunion. And most times we're going to have to deal with them again. And here's what Joseph teaches us. Because when we have to deal with them again, we have to make a conscious decision 
not to replay the offense or replay our emotions. Because when we see that person that hurt us before, it can bring some emotions and some feelings. And we can feel the hatred and the bitterness again. But we have to learn how to check our emotions. And at a certain point, we have to tell ourselves that we are in control of our emotions and our actions. And what I will not do is give you a power over my emotions and my feelings, especially when you hurt me already. And I will not put myself in a situation where they are in control of who I am. Because if we need them to acknowledge if they hurt us, if we need them to respond to how it went down, if we're sitting around waiting for an apology before we forgive him, y'all, well, the devil is mean and miserable enough that he'll make sure that that's the, lack, the one thing that will never happen. And if we're waiting on them to acknowledge it or waiting on them to respond to it, we're giving them control of our emotions and our feelings. Now watch how real forgiveness goes down. And I'm in verses 3, 4, and 5. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, so dismayed were they at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come closer to me. And they came closer. He says, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold in Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me here before you to preserve life. So y'all, when Joseph sees his brothers, they are worried and nervous about what Joseph is going to do. Because Joseph has all the power, and they know that they've done him wrong, and they are scared of Joseph. And in verses 14 and 15, it tells us that Joseph fell upon his brother's Benjamin's neck, and he wept, while Benjamin wept on his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. And y'all, that was a mean word for me, because when people have done me wrong, I want them to worry just a little bit. I wanted to be scared of what I might do. I wanted to be lose a little bit of sleep thinking about my next move. And I wanted to be scared when they see me and shook when I come into the room. But real forgiveness says that I'm going to release you from the fear of wondering what I might do. But y'all, how is it that Joseph was able to release them from what all that work? How is it that he's not resentful? How is it that he's not bitter? And it's right there in verse 8. Because Joseph said, so it was not you who sent me here, but it was God. So Joseph said, I know you sold me into slavery. I know that you thought you were destroying me. Then he says, but God used me to bring life to you. But God sent me to Pharaoh's house. But God sent me from the, to the pit, to the prison, to the palace, because God was in control. And y'all, as Joseph looks back over his life, he just didn't remember what people did to him. But he remembered what the Lord had done for him. And Joseph understood there was a difference between a moment and a movement. Because y'all throwing me in the pit, that was just a movement. Y'all sending me into a slavery, that was just a moment. But in the middle of that moment, there was a movement that God was operating on. And God turned that moment into a movement. So here's a word for all of us today. Take your moment and let God turn it into your movement. And when we pull out our movements in our lives, and we highlight all the places where people have hurt us, where people have offended us, where people have done us wrong, at the end of that moment, erase the period and add a comma and put two words to take your moment to a movement. And those two words are but God. 
And when we really learn how to say, but God, we'll understand that God is in control. Because you may have hurt me, but God. You may have offended me, but God. You may have wounded me, but God. You may have done me wrong, but God. Tell somebody, but God. God bless y'all. The Lord told you know, if you're in this place today, and you want to give your life to Christ, we invite you to come now.